It is his will that every need be supplied. We thank you, God, for those words, a reminder that we, your people, are the agents of change here on this earth. It is your will that every need be supplied. You said in your word, what good is it to tell your brother, go with God when he is hungry. Go with God when he is naked. When we have so much to share, so much that we've been blessed with, it is your will that every need be supplied. So many people worried about homes, food to eat, whether or not they can go to the doctor and get their medicine. But it's within your will that every need be supplied. God, we, your people, are so lost, stuck on doing things our own way, in our own time, ignoring all the blessings that you have showered down upon us, refusing to let go of even the you know, smallest morsel for someone in need. But it is still within your will that every need be supplied. And so, God, we ask this morning, all around this nation and this world, that you touch hearts. Remind the people of God, the people who think they are called by your name, who, who say they are called by your name. Remind them, God, that it, every need, it is within your will that every need be supplied. Renewing them a right spirit to acknowledge, God, that we are all your children. And because we are all your children, we are part of this family, a family of faith that says, I love you. I need you to support, survive. Yes. So therefore, God, we will continue to lift each other up. We will pray for each other because we love you and we love your children. We will be the agents of change that you have called us to be. We will remember that it is your will that every need be supplied. And, and out of the abundance that you have blessed us, we will bless others. Touch every person that says that they love you God remember that this is your thing your work we're only here but for a temporary time help us to always remember that it is within your will that every need be supplied if we took care of others needs there'd be no stress and no worry families wouldn't have to worry about food to eat clothes to wear Children wouldn't be bullied because they stink or because their clothes have holes in them because their needs would have been met. God, help us. Help us to re recalibrate our thinking and our ways that we will turn away from the preachers and the pastors that, that are, are, are just reaching out for Bentleys and Jets while your people are hungry in the streets. Help us to turn away from these houses on hills and off cliff sides in Malibu. And we start building shelters for those who reside on Redondo Beach Boulevard, Figueroa Boulevard, Broadway, and Figueroa Avalon, Central Avenue. It is within, it is within your will that every need be supplied. Help us, God, to remember that you are sovereign. Help us, Lord, to remember that you are king of all kings, Lord of lords, God of all gods. Before you, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Help us, God. Help us, God. 
And now, Lord, as we continue this, this worship service, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder that it is your will, Lord, that every need be supplied. That every home has food and heat. Every child has shelter and books and food to eat, clothing to wear. Help us, God. Help us to be the people you have called us to be. And in the end, God, we will be so careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. For it is in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. 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 Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Ah, that was something to hear that song and remind us in this day and age, the day and age that we're supposed to be making America great again, that we remember that we are called for a purpose and maybe we need to make the church great again. Stop fighting over things that don't matter things that are temporary and fleeting and start fighting and believing in the things that are real and that is the love of God so as we continue this morning we're in part four of the series don't worry be happy and uh, as always we'll we'll skip through this real quick but remember our our, our, uh, overarching verse the verse that was covering the entire month was Matthew chapter uh, 6 verse 25 through 32 uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 32. I'm not going to read that, but it was essentially God telling us that we're more valuable than the things that we see, the, uh, uh, than the birds and the lilies of the field. God cares for us. And, and we had three points to focus on as we move through this month, that our lives and bodies are far more valuable than the food and the, uh, the food we eat and the clothing we wear, that God provides for the animals who can't do anything for themselves. They can't plant fields. They can't build homes, but yet, uh, uh, well, they can build homes and nests, but they can't really go out and build a structure and have electricity and indoor plumbing run uh, through, but yet they are taken care of it. And the third point was that worrying can't do anything for your life. It can't bring you any money. It can't put bread on the table. It can't add anything to your life because we have understood that stress and worry are very real issues for the people, not just the Christian community, but for the world at large. And, and when we begin to focus on the things that are not of God and start worrying about our own little problems that impact us directly, when we forget that God is sovereign, when we forget that God is the one who provides for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, we start focusing inwardly on things that we have no control over. And when we focus too hard, we begin to get these issues that become become bigger, not just the worry, because now we have health concerns as a result of the things that we were worried about. We, we have stressed so much about money. We have stressed and worried so much about our children. We have stressed and worried about our jobs, the economy, who's in office, our spouses, that we have created internal problems for ourselves, problems like COPD, thyroid problem, diabetes, heart disease, and tumors, which will then turn around and give us something else to worry about. When if we had just turned it over to God in the first place, 
we wouldn't have those other issues coming up. And so in week one, we were looking at stress and worry when we're dealing with Ziklag. And if you remember correctly, it was David who was out with his mighty men of valor. And he's out working, doing God's business, doing what he was supposed to do. And while they were gone, their camp was raided. The camp was called Ziklag. And in one of the lessons we see that God doesn't change with your circumstances. He is the same before during and after, because when they got back and saw that their camp was burned, their women and their livestock were gone, they cried and they wailed, and the word of God said they cried so much they had nothing left. But God was still God. And we also know that everybody who's riding with you ain't riding for you. Because we saw the men who were riding with David, when they came back and saw that their houses were burned and their wives and children were gone, they were ready to stone David. But the word of God said, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. All this mess going on. My home is destroyed. My wife is gone. My children are gone. All my possessions have been stolen from me. And the people who I've trusted my life to are now trying to kill me. But he strengthened himself in the Lord. That is a lesson from Ziklag. And you will see this overall theme that keeps coming up. That God is still the same. The Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only way David could strengthen himself in the Lord is remembering what God had already done. Yes. Oh, yeah. we, we get to this place when we worry about what we don't have. And the problems we have in our lives, we, we don't have this, but we have this. And I didn't want this because I wanted that. And there's this person who I thought I loved has changed into something completely different. And, and these kids of mine are pushing me to the brink. But when God blessed you from the beginning, he blessed you then. He blessed you today. And he will bless you tomorrow. David strengthened himself. In, in the Lord. And then in the second week, we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, because they, they remained in their faith. You see, David didn't do anything wrong, but yet storms came into his life. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were together as friends and still doing the work of God, but then they found themselves because they loved God and because they continued to, to serve God and because they did not compromise their values. They were going to be killed. And we saw in the furnace, a lesson from the furnace, is there is great strength and real friendship. Unlike David, who had boys that were with him, they weren't real friends because a real friend will stay with you till the end. Yeah. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they could rely and trust on each other. Yeah. Point number two, it is important that we align ourselves with people who share our faith. See, Shadrach couldn't hang out with Abednego if Abednego didn't share that same faith. Matter of fact, Abednego might have told Shadrach, said, dude, <laughs> I've been to your church. I've been to my mama's church. And I've been, I see how you Christian folk act. But you know, I'm out. The music start playing, I'm bowing down. Because I'm not about to go to this furnace with you. But see, they stuck together. And, and we see the friends over our lifetime, we ask that question, what kind of friend are you? And what kind of friends do you have in your life? Do you have friends 
Or are you the kind of friend that encourages your friend to remember what God has done, to continue to stay faithful to the Lord that you serve? Or are you the kind of friend or have friends in your life that as soon as things start to happen, they're telling you this is what you need to do. And it's always opposite of what God says. Uh, the last point, that God can be trusted even when we can't predict the outcome. See, there are people that are dealing with this hurricane. Uh, was it Hurricane Maria this time? Or who? Oh, Hurricane Florence. Maria was last year. Hurricane Florence that are still sitting there wondering, can we trust God? Because what they see says that God does not love us. As when, when, when you find yourself in those hard situations where everything seems hopeless, we still have to remember that God can still be trusted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as far as they knew, they were going to die. They told the king, the king said to them, this is what you have to do to spare yourself. You know, I've heard from my boys, they had told me that when the music played, you didn't bow down like you were supposed to do, but I'm giving you one last chance. And they said, okay, live forever. We will never bow down. We will never serve you because the God that we serve will deliver us from your hands. But then the three little words, but if not. Sometimes you need a but if not in your life when these storms happen. I realize the doctor gave me this bad diagnosis, but the God I serve can deliver me from this cancer. But if not, I am not going to worry about this illness anymore. See, I realize that you are the person who I thought I loved. And I believe that God can make our marriage happy and make us live together in peace and harmony. But if not, I am not going to step out on my wife. I am not going to leave my husband. I am not going to argue with this person. Yeah, yeah. But if not, when it looks grim, when your kids are not doing what you expect them to do, not what you raise them to be, God is still can be trusted even when it looks grim. That was from the furnace. Uh, what, what we saw with these three dudes is that they had a relationship with, the, with each other and a relationship with God, and that strengthened each individual's relationship with the Lord. They were able to survive hardships and encourage each other never to compromise. Proverbs 17, or sorry, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the continence of his friends. Continents. I didn't say, I didn't mean to say incontinence. So. <laughs> As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. These are men, like-minded people, who sharing the faith, taking the same walk together, strengthen each other, encourage each other, <clears throat> and make each other better. Then last week, we were looking at lessons, uh, the boat, uh, what I call, what about your friends? Uh, I see. We, we saw the, the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus and the storm came up and with the word actually said suddenly a great storm appeared and it tossed them to and fro that these experienced fishermen who are used to being out on the water thought that they were going to die and yelling out uh, to Jesus. Uh, but Jesus had already told them beforehand, he said, let's get in this boat and go to the other side. 
God is talking to each and every one of us at times in our lives. And he tells us, come with me to the other side. And we see that the storms in our lives are to keep us from getting to the other side. Because we know that as soon as the going gets tough, we retreat. We don't want to fight for what's important. We don't want to fight for what God has given us. And the storm hits, you know what? Let's go back over here. We saw that in the Bible in the children of Israel when they got out in the desert and they were sitting there. They'd been crying for all those hundreds of years of how they wanted to be free. Then when they get free and they're out in the desert, things are not like it was when they were in captivity. That is, why are we here? We could be back in Egypt eating onions and all the stuff that they have. But they would rather have those simple pleasures and be bound than to be free and have the freedom. That the storm came, they don't want to fight. The, the, the being in the desert was bad. Eating manna and, and, and quail made them sick to their stomachs because it was a temporary setback from their pleasure. But they were free. The storm it was there for them to, to prove to them themselves they had the character of the being or had the hearts of the people of God and they ready, they shrunk against that. So much so that they built an idol in the wilderness. And so it was because of their sin and their disobedience, they were never allowed to get to the other side. Hmm. How many things are we doing that are keeping us from getting to the other side of what God has promised us? That when we see the storm on the sea, instead of turning to God and forgetting that God is with us, as he was with the disciples, because Mark chapter 4 says, but I got water there, I think. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. They were taking his inaction for no action. Oh, let me rephrase that. I won't say his inaction. They are taking him not doing anything at that moment is that he didn't care. When he was right there with them. The message being, I'm here. You ain't got nothing to worry about. I don't have to sit up right now and command the sea. I'm here. The sea knows me. I made it. But until they kept screaming, don't you care that we are perishing? That he had to get up and calm the sea to show them. I am sovereign. I am the one that has never changed. God is so good. And we see David's friends turn their backs on him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stayed true to the game. And the disciples fed in to each other's paranoia and stress. Not one disciple that was there could remember, wait a minute, bro, chill out. This, we, we, you know you ever get those friends that as soon as things start going bad, they are right there in the midst jumping in. That's because you did this. And if I was you, I'd do that. And if this person said this, and if it was me, this never would have happened. Not one person said, remember what God has done for you. Remember, I love when Joshua said, remember what was in the past? Don't you remember where you were when you were on the other side of the Red Sea? When we were on the other side of the Jordan? Choose today who you will serve. You can do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, yeah, yeah. 
See, I remember when it was when I didn't have food to eat and suddenly my belly was full. I remember when I didn't have no money in my bank account and my bills were paid. I remember when my marriage was falling apart and now I'm seeing something great happening right now. But as for me and my house, what kind of friends you have? What about your friends? So we've seen a man who had things come into his life that he didn't cause. We had friends who stuck together through thick and thin in spite of the storm. And we had people who fed into each other's stuff, making the things worse. Now we're going to see a brother who creates his own mess. We go to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. And we know, if you don't know the story, Jonah was a prophet who God called and commanded him to go to the city that was rotten. Yeah. Told him, go to L.A., go to Hollywood. Yeah. Go to that great city. Yeah. Go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Where these people think they know me, but they worship false idols. Yeah. Go and tell them to change their ways. And Jonah was like, nah, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I ain't doing that. And we, and we pick up this in verse 3. It says, but Jonah, after God has already told him, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. So he's supposed to go to Nineveh. I'm talking about L.A. and D.C. and everything else. But Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. And it says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. Then go with them to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. So, uh, well, look, before I even get into that. So we're going to continue part four. Don't worry, be happy. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. And isn't that kind of how we, you see people living their lives? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. If I only woulda did this. If I woulda, coulda done that. I shoulda done this before. And we go, we see Jonah, it says, he paid the fare, went down into, uh, went down into it, and, and to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Now, where do you think he going? <laughs> this, you know, this is not just somebody who Joe Blow on the street. This is somebody who has a relationship with God because God is speaking to him for a purpose. Yeah. And he thinks that he gets in a boat, God tells him to go to Nineveh, but he goes to Joppa and think that going to Joppa is going to take him from the presence of God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting away from God who created everything. I'm going to hide from you, Lord, who's in control of this whole thing. Uh, the... The ego, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that ego drives our stress. We don't realize it, but the issues, the things that we create are of our own machinations. We have done these things and have the audacity to think because I go to Joppa that I am escaping from the presence of God. We spend, too many of us, live our lives focusing on mistakes we have made and missed opportunities. Jonah is a perfect example of a person who then, when he realizes what he does, has done, when he didn't do what he was supposed to do, we start focusing on things we missed. And it's just like, 
My daddy told me this. Mama said it would be like this. If I had only listened to them, I remember telling me and my mom having a conversation one day. I said, what is it about kids that they just refuse to listen to mom and dad? I have never understood that. I, I'm looking back as a child when I was a teenager thinking, why did I think I knew more than my mother and father? What, what is it in our programming that even no matter how old you are, that you think you still know more than somebody who's already passed you? My dad had told me so many times, Ronald, I have been where you're trying to go. I've been there. At 25, at 32, at 40, if I would have just did, man, I should have did this instead of that. Had the perfect opportunity in my hands, but I threw it all away because I knew better. And then when we find ourselves at, well, this, my stuff. So I, I graduate from high school. I go straight to college. My goal was to be a dentist. That's what I said I wanted to be. Went in, biology major, got there, started hanging out, and all I could hear my parents, don't waste the time. Don't waste your time. How am I wasting time? I'm having fun. <laughs> but then when I find myself delivering packages at Federal Express, instead of going to an office every day, now you see I'm living in this raggedy apartment, this raggedy car that's breaking down out of VW Golf and the clutch assembly broke, just snapped in half. How am I going to get my car fixed? How am I going to get to work? If I had just listened to what my parents had told me. You hear me? How many times do I talk about my trick knee that I hurt working at Federal Express? that I could have been, been fine had I went on and did what I, it didn't have to be a dentist, all I had to do was graduate from college the first time. <laughs> Jonah created his own stressful situation doing his own thing. How much, the question we have to ask ourselves, how much of our ego has created stress in our lives? I know more than you. I'm never gonna admit that I'm wrong. I refuse to listen to this person because I don't want to trade places with them. Uh, what was it, Mary Kay had there, someone said, never take advice from people that you don't want to be like. And sometimes I think maybe you need to look and not necessarily take their advice, but look at them to, as an example. Don't make those stupid mistakes. Our egos get in the way of everything that we do and it creates a situation where now we're looking back on our lives. If I had only done it this way, I would have did it this way if I had known. And it's always if I had known. But the fact of the matter is I even had this conversation with my mom probably 20 years ago. It's like I said, if I had known then, I said, but you know what? I actually did know then because you told me to avoid it. But now I'm looking at it 20 years later, saying if I would have known then what I know now, but you told me 20 years ago. Yeah. I just didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. God is telling Jonah, this is what I need you to do. But Jonah goes, does his own thing, and he's thinking, man, if I would have just did what God had told me to do, I wouldn't be in this mess. And we get to verse 4 and 5. 
It says, but the Lord said, so Jonah is on the boat with these dudes uh, on his way, getting away from the presence of God. And isn't it funny that when you try to run away from God, things just still seem to follow. The problems follow and God is right there with it. Uh, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, the sailors, were afraid and every man cried out to his God. And see all these people, they, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that having people who are like faith. Yeah. See, these dudes didn't have Jonah's faith. They said they cried out to their God. And when their guys didn't answer, they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea, getting rid of all their possessions, calling out to their God to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. We just saw this last week about somebody sleeping at the bottom of a boat, right? Jonah is going in his mess, running away from God. And it's created a mess for those dudes who are on the boat. And we see toxic people draw you into their drama. Anytime you have people with their drama and they're coming into your life, you better run to get away. (laughs) They will bring you in like these sailors. And here you are now, don't know what to do. You throwing away everything you got. Paying, helping somebody with see is all, and you know what all of us it comes down to? They want, they need some place to stay. They can't hold on to a job. They need money, and because you sitting there with your big heart and feeling sorry, or if it's your kids, because I didn't, I, I should have did this, and I should have, I would have, could have, should have with these kids. Now you giving them all your money, signing the second and third mortgages on your house to help these kids that should be doing their own thing, bringing them in, bringing you into your mess. Their mess, I'm sorry, not your mess. <laughs> and bringing you into their mess. Toxic people draw you into their drama. And it's not just kids, it's the friends that have always got something. Every time you turn around, something wrong in their life. Something wrong at home. I just need $50 to get me to Friday. I just need to stay at your house for a couple of days till I get everything straight. Nope. She done kicked me out one more time. We, but we go, I'm going to get it right this time. I'm telling you right now, there's this, there's, I, I quit these drugs and, and you let them in and there go your TV. <laughs> down at the pawn shop, you down there paid $2,000 to get this flat screen TV. Now you're at the pawn shop paying $2,500 to get it back. Toxic people will draw you into their drama. Verse 11 and 12 says, then they said to him, this is now conversation because they had gone down to the bottom of the boat and realized, we all losing our minds. How are you still down here to all get calm? But you know, that's how it is. These people, when they drop bombs in your house and walk away, they cool. They done gave all the mess to you. You sitting there dealing with the aftermath while they somewhere off doing whatever it is they do. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? And for the sea was growing more tempestuous, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. At least Jonah had the decency to own up to his mess. But you know, most of the people we come into contact with, including ourselves, never admit our mess. 
It ain't me, it's you. Whatever is what you did is the reason why I am doing this. You have created this situation. I'm just responding to it. And if you had just not done this, we wouldn't be in all this mess in the first place. Dropping it on you. But Jonah at least had some decency and said, it's my fault. It's my bad. I'm the one. So if you want this to stop, throw me over. Are you willing to throw yourself over in order to bring peace into your own home? I'm the cause of all this drama and the stress. It's because I can't get along with my, so you know, you know these people who every time they turn, like, how many jobs you had? My wife tells me all the time, I can't believe this, how many jobs you had, sweetie? Couple of, oh, be popular. How many jobs have you had? In her whole life, only four jobs. Only four jobs, which is incredible for somebody to live a length of time. You can, you, there are people who I've known that by the time we were 30 had already had six or seven jobs. I've known people that within the span of three years had had seven jobs. And every time you talk to them, is always somebody else at this job. <laughs> they didn't like me. They stick together. As always, especially if you work in these so-called so manual jobs. And for us, I guess it's really hard when you're black. Because either you're working with a, you know, a high-level job and you got all these white people who don't like you, or you work in the low-level jobs and you're working with Latino people, and it's easy to say, well, these Mexicans don't like me. Even though they're not all Mexicans, I'm not all Salvadorians, I'm a Guatemalan, but because we think they all speak Spanish, we just lump them all together. Just say it's all Mexicans and they stick together and they don't like me. You know, do you ever think maybe you the problem? Maybe there's a reason they don't like you. Because you're crazy. <laughs> so that blame it. I don't work, I've worked with... Latino people, I've worked with white people, I've worked with Asian people, and everywhere I go, people always say, Ron, you were missed when you were gone. Because I tried to go someplace and not create a space of drama, that if I got stuff going on in my life, it is mine, not for you to deal with, not for you to, I come to work and don't have nothing to say to you and snap it at you because things are wrong, this is my stuff. I'm not bringing it in here and, and dropping it on you and that you have to deal with the aftermath. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. The stress in my life is because of me. The drama in my life is because of me. That is a realization that we have to get to as people, that we call ourselves Christian, that we have to understand and look at these things objectively. I have created this mess in my life. But... There is a potential flip side to that. Potential. In John chapter 9, verse 3, there was a man who was blind from birth. I didn't put it in here. It just came to me this morning. And Jesus healed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees, the church folk, didn't want, want to know what, how, how did he get healed. Hey, you guys remember Pastor Brian preaching about that. About, that he, he spit. Now I see. I mean, that's literally what happened. He spit in the mud, put the mud on the man's eyes, and then he could see. And they kept asking him. Kept asking him. But the disciples, 
See, it is disciples again. Not the, you know, they're feeding into the church drama. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, them Christian, them, 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 them Holy Ghost, washed in the blood Christians, the deacons and the deaconesses want to know how this boy got here. He couldn't see his whole life. They're believing in God for a miracle, but when miracles happen and they're questioning who created the miracle, how did this happen? And the disciples are feeding into it again. They were on the Sea of Galilee feeding into the drama instead of remembering what God has done. They had seen God, Jesus, do things prior to the sea. They have seen him do things after the Sea of Galilee. They were sitting on the boat and watched him command the storm to cease. Peace be still. And here they are asking Jesus, what sin did his mama and daddy do? Jesus said to them, Neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He was saying this boy was blind for a purpose. As remember, Romans 8, 28 said all things work together for good. No, let me rephrase it. And we know that all things work together for good for those who call called. <laughs> let me start over. I'm getting ahead of myself. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, those called according to his purpose. Yeah. I'm going to get it out, Elder. <laughs> <laughs> he was blind since birth. All things are working together for good. And Jesus said it was for a purpose. So sometimes maybe your unwillingness was because God knew you were going to act a fool. So that his glory can be shown. Or as he said, this, you, this, my, this man didn't sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You, you see, sometimes you ever see these people who always have something going on in their lives, but they're always happy, always smiling, Always got a good word, even though they may have a moment of weakness, they still bounce back better. And in the next storm, they are still good because God is showing us through them that despite what you see, this is how you handle the stress. This is how you handle the drama. But Jonah says in verse 14. No, not Jonah. These are the brothers with him. The men on the boat. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. Now, see, this is after they've thrown stuff away. Jonah has already told them, hey, it's my fault. Throw me over. Throw me over. And this thing will pass. This is my fault. It's my bad. I created this mess. But they stuck with them. They said they kept trying to row the boat to get it to shore, to get it out of the water, but they couldn't. And, and see, God tells us or gives us a word of how we're supposed to live our lives and we still are rowing trying to do our own thing God the prophet the man of God said it's my fault this drama is all me get rid of me and we still hold on to these people in our lives they have created the drama. They create the stress. They bring in this toxicity into our lives. And we wonder, I can't sleep. I got no peace. I'm constantly turned. My stomach is bothering me. I don't know what's wrong. What changed in your life? Well, you know, 
so-and-so been calling and now they stand with me for a couple of weeks and uh, you know I'm really trying to be I'm getting ready to go go someplace here uh, uh, I love this person and I can't let them stay like this by themselves because if they stay by themselves they're gonna die and then they get in your house Lord why did I let them come over <laughs> You are creating drama in my life. All I'm doing is trying to help you. And they don't appreciate it. Expect you to go out of your way. And you said, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm rowing this boat trying to get to the shore because I don't want to throw you away. And you get to the point where you can't. These men who were not like Jonah, they, we read earlier, said they called out to their gods. But now here in verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord. <laughs> they call it on God. <laughs> I'm rolling trying to save this man because I love him. He's like, I can't. I can't do this. Oh, Lord, please don't let us perish for this man's life. Don't charge me with no innocent blood. But you, have, oh, Lord, have done as it pleased you. All of a sudden, these dudes become Christians. And something I learned from my friend Pastor Ray, he said, there are no atheists in the trenches. No atheists in the trenches. When it comes to, when it comes to having a robber to, rubber to meet the road, everybody's calling on God's name. Pastor Ray was talking about that when his life was put in jeopardy when he was uh, in Liberia. He was born and raised in Liberia. And, and when the, the uh, uh, Civil War took place, there was a clear delineation. You either fight or you die. And all these people that they were with, some of them were Christian, some of them weren't. But when they came time for that gun to put to the head, fight or die, they're praying to God just like Ray and his brother were praying. There ain't never going to be no atheists in the trenches. <clears throat> but as long as you remember who it is you serve, forget what everybody else is doing. And then we see when Jonah came to his senses, Jonah in chapter 2, verse 1, he's already been thrown over the boat now. They, they, his brothers realize, I can't save him. I'm sitting there rowing, my arms are tired, my back is broken. I can't do no more for this as I'm tired of his drama. I'm tired of this toxicity. See ya. And then we know God created the, the big animal, the, the Leviathan, to take Jonah. Now Jonah's in the belly of this thing, and here he is in verse two, verse one of chapter two. That yeah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of the shoal I cried and you heard my voice. Now, even though he's praying to God, he's saying from my affliction, as if God had stricken him with something bad. And still not acknowledging I created this mess, yeah. not to God. He's acknowledging his mess to the sailors, but not to God. But at least he did do one thing, and that was pray. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do in the middle of the storm? What are you going to do when things that you, looking back on your life, I would have done it this way, I could have did it this way, I should have done it 
that way. Nothing's going to change. That scripture that we use from Matthew at the very beginning, what man can add one cubit to his stature? As much as I thought I wanted to be a dentist back in 1986, 87, well, 84 when I graduated from high school, at this 52, being a dentist is not in the cards. So it serves no purpose for me to sit here and talk about, I wish I could have did it this way. There is no point in me worrying about why I didn't graduate in 1988 like I should have done. That ain't, today, it ain't changing anything. Any relationships I've had over the years, right now, September 23rd, 2018, it is not changing anything. All I can do is pray that God keeps me covered, keeps me focused, and keeps my feet on the right path moving forward. Changing my heart so that I begin to listen to the people he has put in my lives that give me the warning signs so I don't have to say, if I would have known then, what I know now. Listen to these people. Observe the signs. And avoid the pitfalls and the traps that put us in these places where now we are either in the middle of our mess or bringing mess to other people. We have to continue to trust God. We got to get rid of that mindset and forget what would have been, what could have been, and what should have been. And talk about what we're going to do tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you and give your name glory and honor for being God. We thank you, God, that we have a Lord who loves us so that even when we are disobedient, you are still with us. Even when we try to go away from your presence, you are still there. Even in the midst of our storms, you will use that mess as a testimony. The sailors on the ship with with Jonah, because they saw his mess, they were able to call on the name of the Lord. Help us to remember, God, you are the same God who saved us before. You are the same God that has sustained us, and you are the same God that will provide in the future. We thank you for your providence. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience, the mercy and the grace that you extend to us, even though we continue to do what is not pleasing in your sight. We thank you, God, that you are a loving God, long suffering. And we thank you, Lord, that everything, even though we look at it as bad, that but everything that you said is working for our good, even the toxicity, even the storm. We trust you, Lord. Even though we can't see the outcome, we put our faith in you. Because you are God. We love you and we bless you. For it is in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Amen.